Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Karen Fabian, and I am the host of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 103, and I am really excited to be here today because today we're going to launch into an interview. So over the next several weeks, and actually the past two weeks, uh, I believe two weeks, I have had guests on the show and I'm just in a mode right now where there's just a lot of really interesting people that I'm crossing paths with and I am inspired to share them with you. And so today is another one of those episodes. So we're going to launch right into that. But before we do, I want to share a couple of thoughts. So I'm recording this on November 16th, 2020. You know, I kind of feel like I wish everybody would share the date of their recording because it's really good to orient you to time and place when you're listening to something, especially if you listen to it uh, at a, you know, a week or a month or even a year. Uh, I, my podcast has been around for two years, so you could very well be listening two episodes right now that are from when I began. Now, because this is episode 103, you'll know that we're, you know, kind of down the road in terms of the journey here. Uh, be that as it may, it is November 16th. So what I wanted to let you know, uh, if you're listening on the 17th or the 18th, on the 18th, which is Wednesday of this week, I'm going to be hosting a free yoga class online, of course, and I'm hosting it in my monthly membership called the Bare Bones Yoga Practice Portal. And I would love for you to join. So if you live someplace where uh, you're on the East Coast as I am, and you want to start your day and you're available at eight o'clock in the morning, it's 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, of course, if you live on the West Coast, that's going to be pretty early. You know, so of course, depending on where you are located, that may be a defining factor as to whether or not you can join. If you can join, I would love to have you. It's going to be a fairly short 45-minute class. It'll be good for any level of student, really functional movements, 
And uh, if you're a listener uh, hearing this and you think you can make it and you are a yoga teacher, which most of my listeners are, know that bring, you can bring your questions about anatomy. And if you have a few minutes after the class is done, I'm happy to hang out with you online on the Zoom call and have uh, a quick Q&A session about anatomy. So that's this Wednesday, uh, November 18th, eight o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. And to sign up for your free login to my monthly membership, just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com and go to the events page and you'll see the posting about this free class with the instructions on how to get in. And the next thing I want to tell you is on this Saturday, which is the 21st, I am going to be hosting a really interesting workshop. This is actually the second time I've done this and I got really good feedback back the first time I did it. So I decided to do it again. It's an opportunity for me to share with you details of my mentorship program. However, rather than just tell you about the mentorship program, I want to offer you an opportunity to come to this free workshop and walk through um, kind of like a journaling, self-exploration writing exercise. And what this exercise is geared to do is to help you get clearer on where you want to go as a yoga teacher. Now, I think even if it weren't a time of a uh, global pandemic, this would still be a relevant topic, of course. However, given COVID and given how it's impacted all of us in terms of our yoga teaching, where we teach, if we teach, how we teach, it's even more important now to sit down and start to think about as this year ends and as we're heading into next year and at the beginning of the year, certainly into the first quarter, we are all still going to be affected by COVID and the restrictions that come along with it. So it's a really important um, step and it's a good time to sit down and start to think about where do I want to go with my teaching right now? Maybe things are going to shift come you know, May or June. However, it's a good idea for me to get organized around where I want to go. And so this will be a workshop where we go over just some general questions that'll just get your, your mind going, that those creative ideas flowing, inspiration uh, as well. And I want to let you know, you know, the exercise I'm going to take you through is based in part on neuroscience and based in part on some personal development. So it's really going to be a lot of fun. At the end of doing the exercise, I'll share with you a little bit about my mentorship program. And if you'd like to find out more about it, this is a great way to do it. I'll also share with you some of the reasons why teachers have enrolled in the mentorship program. And for those who have completed it, what are some of the things that they are now doing and what are some of the things that they achieved as a result of being part of the program. So in order to sign up for this free, this totally free uh, workshop and to get the benefit of participating and coming out of it with a clearer vision for your short and long-term future as a yoga teacher, again, just visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page and you'll see the sign up for that workshop. So that's this um, Saturday, November 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, so we are now ready to get into 
uh, today's show, today's episode. And I want to, you know, kind of give you an idea of what the genesis is or background <laughs> of this um, episode is all about. So I had an opportunity uh, probably about a month ago to um, connect with a, a fellow yoga teacher and in connecting with her and having a conversation with her about what she does, I really thought that she would be an absolutely ideal person for the show. And you'll find out a little bit more about why that is when I share with you a little bit about her. So her name is Lynn Roberts, and she is the president of Energy Corporate Yoga. And in fact, she's been the president and started the company back in 2000. Four. And she lives in Vancouver, British Columbia. She is a former broadcast journalist and she left to start teaching yoga. And she describes kind of the inspiration for her beginning this uh, company. And it really came from a personal experience she had. And I, I don't want to go into it because I want you to hear it in her own words. Um, however, the reason I wanted her to come on the show is because the company she founded, Energy Corporate Yoga, uh, is really offering an amazing opportunity to yoga teachers. And it's one that she goes into on this episode here. And I had talked to her about it prior to inviting her on the show. And I thought this would really be such, a, such an interesting topic to talk about on the show and a really cool opportunity to share with teachers should they be interested in what this is all about. So you're gonna find out all the details when you listen to today's episode. So I just wanna let you know as well, and we talk about this at the end, in the show notes, you will see the website for her company. And Lynn talks about this at the end of the episode. I wanna just start out by giving you the reference because when you listen to this, if you're really excited and interested in getting in touch with her, I wanna be sure you know how. So you can definitely uh, just look at the show notes on the episode itself, uh, or you can go to her website directly. The name of the company is Energy Corporate Yoga and it's I-N-N-E-R-G-Y corporate yoga. So it's all one word, energycorporateyoga.com. So that's the lead in to today's episode. I want to thank you so much for watching and we're going to kick it off now. My interview with Lynn Roberts, the president of energy corporate yoga. Here we go. Okay. Hello. Hello. I am here everybody with Lynn Roberts and I know you've just listened to the intro and for Lynn, I'll tape an intro when we, when we do this, uh, this goes up live. So I'm here with Lynn Roberts of energy corporate yoga, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, Karen. Um, so as I was saying, you know, the, the listeners will have a little bit of your background from the bio that I read in, in the intro. I want to start out by giving you an opportunity to just kind of share a little bit about how you started the company and what inspired you to do that. Absolutely. 
I'm happy to share. So my, my story, I won't make it too long, goes back quite far. Um, I used to be a journalist, so I had a very stressful career. I only did that for one year, but that's what I trained for. I went to university for four years, and I thought that's what I wanted to do with my whole life. But when I got into it, I realized it wasn't for me. It was very stressful. My very first journalism job and my only journalism job was actually quite toxic. I had an alcoholic boss who would come to work two, three days a week, completely hammered. And so what I learned from that was that not everybody handles their stress very well. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't have that yoga background that I have now. But I remember thinking this isn't a very fun place to work because there's all this toxic energy. So long story short, I decided one day just to just to quit my job. I can still see the look on my mom and dad's face when I told them, guess what? I'm quitting my job. And I was living in Eastern Canada at the time. And I moved all the way out to Alberta, which is in Western Canada. And I started working at a resort. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I spent about two years there. And I just kind of checked out from life for a while. I did some very deep thinking, got into the woods and did lots of hiking and biking and all that good stuff, skiing. And then eventually I ended up in Vancouver, Canada, where I went and took my yoga training. And what happened to me was a, a friend just dragged me to a yoga class one day and I knew nothing about it. I ended up in this yoga class and I thought, this is amazing. I could do this. I could teach other people. It inspired me. And I went and took my training and right away I knew I wanted to help corporate people. And I think a lot of it, Karen, stems back to the fact that I had that alcoholic boss and I wanted to, you know, help people make better choices. I wanted to help them see that if they're stressed at work, if there's, you know, lots going on at work, they can actually do something about it in a helpful way, not in a toxic way. Things like yoga, stretching, meditation, deep breathing, just sitting and being are all things that can help them. So that's kind of how we got started. And I just always, I don't know why, but I was always drawn to helping corporate people. I always wanted to help these people that wouldn't necessarily go to a yoga studio. And that's who most of our clients are. They're busy moms and dads. They're busy executives. They maybe exercise a little bit, but they're not hardcore yogis. They're not going to necessarily go to a 90 minute class or a 60 minute class three or four times a week at a yoga studio. So we're able to now reach sort of these unconventional people that maybe wouldn't necessarily make the time for yoga and I really love what I do because we're, we're really making a difference. We're really helping these people. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you say that about how the job you had impacted you, because I think about even today with all the different um, environments that yoga teachers can teach in, when you did your initial teacher training in the early 2000s, that was really a time when just about everybody took teacher training to teach in a studio. So for you to have that like initial inspiration about wanting to impact people in, in sort of a non-traditional way, like you weren't looking to teach really complicated stuff. You were really looking to kind of use yoga as a lifestyle management tool more so than just the traditional. So that's just so interesting to me. How did you, or let me ask you this, did you feel any pressure to kind of go the way most of the teachers were going at the time to teach in studios or you were just really clear that this was your vision? It was really interesting because I actually had a close friend of mine and she, she very nicely said to me one day, don't be offended, she said, but I would never teach for you. And I said, oh, why? And she said, because my yoga classes have to have candles and the lighting has to be perfect and it's got to have music and sometimes when you this was before COVID of course but you know when you would go in to teach these corporate classes it would be in a basement with weird carpet on the ground and there's a bookcase over here and there's 
maybe a guy walking through the room and you know sometimes it's beautiful and perfect looking and other times it's just a place to roll your mat out and so I remember thinking oh you know I'm, but I was always so drawn to teaching corporate that I sort of went that's okay I don't need to work with every yoga teacher and I don't need to work with every client so no I don't think I was ever feeling that pressure and you know what just to be sure I did at the same time when I started my business I put in an application to every yoga studio in my city every gym every physiotherapy center every community center just to see what happened. And to be honest, most of them said, we're not hiring. We're not hiring. We'll put you on the sub list. We're not hiring. The other thing I noticed was that the pay was really different, right? I was able to make a lot more teaching corporate yoga and that's not why I get into it, but it certainly made a difference. It meant I had to teach fewer classes. The big difference for me was the impact. I always wanted to see that big impact. The people that come to yoga studios and community centers, they want to be there, which is, which is still awesome. But the corporate people are a little bit like, uh-oh, you know, I've been tricked into going to corporate yoga or the boss told me I should go, but I don't know if I want to be here, which is great because we can nurture them and kind of, you know, bring them along on this journey. So no, I was never really, I never really felt like I was missing out. I did sort of see a lot of my comrades go off and do the yoga teacher thing at the studio. And that was great, but I always knew it wasn't for me. And how I knew that was just every door would shut, but with this doors kept opening. So I knew that this was my purpose. Right. That's amazing. I love that. And I think it's always such a great theme. I think even now, um, or now more than ever, it is still a draw that teachers have. Yet I am continually inspired when I meet new teachers and they talk about teaching in homeless shelters or working with children or, uh, you know, all these different ways that you can use yoga. So, okay, so let me ask you this. I know one of the things that I'm interested in that I think the listeners will be interested in too, especially if someone's out there and they maybe have a different vision, although it's along the lines of starting their own business. So you kind of skated past that thing about here you are now, but I know back then this was an idea. And now it's what, 10, 12 years later, 14 years later. And so I'm sure how your business is now is very different or you know, I guess what I'm looking for, what I think would be interesting is to share, how did you start? Like, how did this idea turn into maybe the first version of your business? And then from there. Mm -hmm. Good question. So it's been 16 years, over 16 years now, since we started, it's been a really long time. And, you know, the, the person that I was back then is certainly not the same person I am now. I, I didn't know if this was going to take off. Uh, I always sort of had a tentative, maybe plan B, like if this never works out, I'll, you know, I'll go get an admin job at an office or something. Luckily, I've never had to go to plan B, which has been great. But um, gosh, the journey. I mean, I, I would suggest to anyone who's looking to start their own business as a yoga teacher, whether it's corporate clients, private clients, teaching in jails, like there's so many different things that you can do as a yoga teacher would be to, first of all, if you can find somebody else who's done it before you, listen to them and seek them out. And at the very least, read the free stuff that's available to you and listen to the free things that they're giving you because there's lots of free information out there and there's lots of paid information as well. But if somebody has done what you wanna do before you, it only makes sense to not try and reinvent the wheel yourself. And that was something I didn't have. When I first started out, I didn't know very many people in corporate yoga. I did know one person. Um, I knew her a little bit and I actually gave her a call one day thinking, you know what, maybe she'll be great and talk to me and give me some advice. And I was nervous to call her. And when I did call her, Karen, and I told her why I was calling, she actually hung up on me. 
<laughs> yeah. you do the competition. Yeah, because I, I was her competition, but I was just getting started. I was maybe a year into my business. I only had four or five clients or something. I don't remember. And I was very humbly calling her just to say, could I buy you a coffee? Could I pick your brain? Oh, wise one, you've done this before me, you know, and, and share me. I might've even offered to pay her, but the conversation didn't go that far. She just said, I can't talk to you about this and, and hung up. And when that happened to me, I had a moment of, of like surprise. And then I had a moment of anger where I was like, wow, you know, what a jerk, you know, that was mean. And then I had this moment of sadness. I remember this moment of sadness where I felt like, is this the yoga world? Because I don't think this happens in other industries. People seem to help each other and coach each other and they're supportive. And in yoga, it just didn't feel like that to me at the time. Now I know better, but, and then I had this moment of clarity. And I remember this moment of just, if I'm ever in her shoes, if I'm ever further ahead than I am now and I can share this with others and I will I will do that so that would be my first piece of advice to someone looking to start out would be see who else has gone before you and at the very least call them up and take them to coffee virtual coffee and then you know you've got to have a belief in what you do we all have a belief that yoga is awesome but you have to have a belief as well that you can market what you do there's one it's one thing to believe in what you do as an, as an industry or as a skill or as a teaching but you've got to have the confidence and be able to, you know, relay that to people. And that's something I didn't have when I started out. I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know anything about marketing. My teach, my, both my parents are school teachers. I didn't have a business owner in my family. So you've got to learn those skills. You don't need to get a business degree, but you need to learn sales and marketing because all sales is, is connecting with other people. And then you've got to be persistent and you've got to be consistent. You can't do it one week and not do it the next. You can't do it for a month and then sit down for a month and say, well, it's December. I'm going to take December off. It's the holidays. You've got to be consistent, but you've also got to be persistent. Not meaning that we harass people and bother them, but we've got to keep going because um, in a nutshell, it's a lot more work to start a business and grow a business than I ever thought it would be. You know, and that's why I would recommend someone get help when they're starting, because if you can get that help, what it's going to do is it's going to fast forward you to where you don't have to go through all the ickiness of starting a business, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, don't you wish if you could talk to yourself back then with what you know now, I think of that for my own business, I would have saved myself a lot of time. You had to kind of figure it out, kind of like the Dorothy Wizard of Oz thing at the end. She's like, why didn't you just tell me the whole time? But look at all the important things I learned, you know? But I hear what you're saying, and, and I think that that's great, great advice. So tell us a little bit about what's different about your company now after 16 years. I mean, I'm guessing there's more people, there's more clients. I mean, what? give us an idea of like the snapshot of today, what you guys all do, and who's working with you. Not by name, but like the kinds of people, the kinds of roles that you've expanded to have. Yeah, perfect. So when we started out, it was just me for probably the first six months. And then I started to hire other teachers because I had clients that would say, we would love to have you come and teach. And I'd say, wow, that's an hour and a half drive. So I'd try it a couple of times and then I'd say, forget it. This is rush hour traffic. It's four hours for me to go out there and teach this class. So I'd go to the client and I'd say, hey, you know what? It's becoming a lot for me, but could I, could I have one of my other teachers come? And they'd say, sure. And then I would just need to make sure they were happy. That's the big thing about this kind of business. You just need to make sure people are happy. So calling and checking on them. How was your first class? If they're not happy, fixing it right away. Don't wait. Um, and so that was when we first started out. And then I remember about maybe two years in, 
I hired my first salesperson because I never really enjoyed making all those phone calls to companies, but I knew it was effective. I got business that way. So I eventually said, you know what? I don't have to do everything. I'm going to hire someone to do just a little bit of something I don't want to do. And so I had my first salesperson two years into our business. Maybe it was a little bit less than that. Um, so fast forward to today, we have a big team. We have um, a business team. So all of our teachers are business owners in our business program. Um, and what we do is we coach them. We help them to get clients. We, we create those shortcuts for them. We provide all, all sorts of resources that they need. And today we've got 20, I think it's 24 as of today. We have two more joining us this week. So pretty soon it'll be 26 teachers in our team. Uh, we have a full-time salesperson who works with us. We have uh, a couple of virtual assistants and I'm just about to hire an executive assistant. And then of course I work very much full-time in this business. Um, and so we've got clients now all across Canada, all across the US in, in, especially with going virtual due to COVID-19, we've got clients in places we never thought we'd have clients before states and provinces that we we're not even physically in. We even have a client right now in Rio de Janeiro and another one in London, England, which is really fun. I never thought we would teach in those cities. That is now, are you still teaching a class or two? Have you kind of I'm not, I was teaching up until about five years ago and I've taught full-time, I've taught part-time. My kids are 12 and 14. So before they were born, I taught pretty full-time and very full-time. And then when they were started to be born, I'd go to part-time. And then when they were about maybe, I think one in three, I went back to full-time. Then I realized I'm doing too much and I would rather give these opportunities to some of my team members. So I started to go down to part-time and then I eventually said, I'm not gonna teach anymore. I also moved cities in there at one point. So probably about three and a half years ago, I moved cities. I didn't have any clients myself at the time that I was teaching. So I said, you know what? I'm just gonna leave it like that. And now my time is spent doing the very high level things in our business, such as the coaching and you know the framework for the business, uh, definitely orchestrating what everybody's doing and making sure they're all in the right places. Um, but mostly the coaching of the teachers. That's something I spend a lot of time doing. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about, because I'm sure people are listening and they're like, wow, this sounds like an amazing opportunity, especially when you were referencing when teachers have a relationship with your company. Um, and I don't know exactly, maybe you can explain, like, are they considered on staff or kind of what's the languaging around that in terms of their relationship with with energy. Um, I bet people are interested in, well, what does it look like for a teacher who has a relationship with energy, especially where you talk about, we give them coaching, we help them with a lot of the kind of business infrastructure that maybe they don't have. We allow them to access some of our tools or processes. So what, what is it like if you're teaching with you or for you? Mm -hmm. So first of all, our teachers are very entrepreneurial. We only work with teachers who really do want to have their own clients and their own business. And it's okay if they don't, but some teachers just want to teach for other people. They want guaranteed work, guaranteed income, uh, which is getting trickier to find these days because look at what's happening in the world. Studios are closing. I think we're going to see more of a shift to the virtual world as this continues on. Um, but teachers that work with us, essentially what, what they get, you know, why anybody would ever want to work with us is because we take a huge chunk of the business stuff away from them entirely. It's like outsourcing 80% of your business. So we take care of all the resources, you know, all those waivers and contracts and agreements and flyers and photos and things that you would need. You know, often when we start with a new client, they'll say, can you send me a flyer? As soon as we offer it to them, they say, yes, we want a flyer because it's, it's not enough just to send out an email saying yoga starts on Tuesday. They want a flashy flyer with colors. It looks good. It's got a picture of somebody doing yoga on it. Well, that's just one small thing. It doesn't take that long to make a flyer. 
um, especially with Canva and other programs that are out there these days that are free, but those things add up. And over time, it can mean that you're not actually doing income generating activities, you're spending time building all the infrastructure of your business. And that's what I did in the beginning. I would take entire days where I didn't do anything, but just make agreements, contracts, edit them, you know, put them into the system, edit them again. And then I'd have a lawyer look at them. No, you can't say that. Okay. So I change it, right. You have to make sure all of that stuff is done. So when our teachers start with us, it's all done for them. Everything is provided for them. They don't have to make it. And then the coaching is the other big one. You know, we coach them right away how to really start thinking as a business owner, as a savvy business owner who has a valuable skill and a valuable offering, right? We all have these valuable offerings. It's called yoga and people need this. Now they need it more than ever. And it's funny, Karen, because I've had a lot of people say to me, well, people can't be doing yoga now. They're just focused on the pandemic. Well, yeah, they're stressed out. So they need it now more than ever, right? It's kind of that catch 22. I had somebody say to me last week, we would love to start a yoga program, but we're just way too stressed. Hmm? <laughs> so I said, just a minute, just a minute. So are you saying if I could show you a way that you could do this, you'd be interested? And she's like, well, yeah, of course. So that's not the same as I'm not interested. So anyhow, back to your question, you know, our, the teachers that we work with, they, they are really enjoying working with us because we just cut down on the amount of work that they do. It doesn't mean they do no work, but it means they are really limited in what they need to do as a business owner and they can spend more of their time teaching. When they spend more of their time teaching and not building agreements and contracts and things like that, they can actually earn more, right? So our teachers are still able to own a business, but they're doing more teaching, which means they're making a higher income. And that's really our big goal is to get teachers doing more of what they love teaching, but making a great living to go with it and not $30 an hour. Right, right. So I definitely want to talk about rate stuff. So I'm just going to make myself a little note here. Um, what I'd love to know more about is when you coach teachers, what are some of the topics that you get into with teachers? I know in my work coaching teachers, because my niche is anatomy, I do expand into business topics, definitely for sure. Although my focus is very focused on you know, anatomy, its application to yoga, cues, sequence building, things like that. Um, so share a little bit about what are some of the themes that teachers struggle with that your coaching helps them overcome? Perfect. So we talk about, we talk about different things. One of the things I usually coach new teachers on is really getting their belief in themselves and what they offer to a 10 out of 10. You've got to be a 10 out of 10 or you're going to fail, right? If you're a seven out of 10 and you're like, well, the moment somebody says, no, I'm not interested, you're going to be defeated. And you're going to be deflated and you're going to go, see, this doesn't work. See, people don't want this. But if you're a 10 out of 10, you just realize that you're going to hear no. You know, I've already heard no today and it's only Monday. I've heard it about five times. I got some emails back. Not interested. Not, that's okay. One of the things I teach the teachers is to do the happy dance when they hear no. So they laugh at me every time I teach it. But I literally teach them to push the chair back from their desk or wherever they're sitting. And when you hear no, get up and dance it out. They said no. Yeah, yeah, they said no, you know, and it's this funny little thing. And I don't know if they're doing it or not, but sometimes I do it. If I, if I ever feel even a hair defeated by that no, I just realize it's, it's okay. It's like serving someone coffee in the restaurant. Just because they said no doesn't mean you need to go in the back and have a meltdown. It's okay. They just don't want it right now. They just don't need it right now, or they don't think they need it right now. Right. And so that's what it shows is that they have made a decision. It's usually the ones in the middle. They're not going to say yes. They're not going to say no. And so they're kind of hovering in the middle. So on some level, it's like, I'm glad you could 
arrive at a decision. And as you say, sometimes no really means no, not now, not necessarily no forever. Um, although it is nice to have somebody make a decision and then you can move on to the next thing. Exactly. That's one of the things I teach them as well. Wouldn't it be nice to just get them to a no at the beginning and then you're not wasting your time sending one more email, one more phone call, leaving a voicemail because you don't know if they're interested. Just because they don't get back to you doesn't mean they're not interested. They may not be getting your messages. They might be on vacation. They might be really busy. They might be sick. There's a number of reasons why people don't get back to us. Um, now I forgot what your original question was. Uh, my so original question was, what are some of the themes that- Oh, yes. So one has to do with belief, belief in yourself. Yes. And in fact, we do a 90-day accountability challenge, usually three times a year with our teachers. And that's the first thing I teach them, even if they've been in my program for years, is right away, check in with yourself. How's your belief? Be really honest with yourself. Because sometimes we have bad weeks and bad months and look at 2020, bad years. And so we need to get ourselves to 10 out of 10. We can't wait for it to happen, right? Just like you can't wait to see a dead person before you believe in ghosts. You kind of have to have that belief first. Maybe that's not a good example, but you need to believe in yourself first. So how do you do that? Well, you find people that have been positively impacted by yoga and you talk to them and you re realize that you've been positively impacted by yoga. But if nothing else, go and talk to all kinds of yoga teachers that you know and get your belief to 10 out of 10. Listen to their stories about how they were depressed and had anxiety. They were in a car accident and healed their body. Listen to podcasts like yours and get to a 10 out of 10 because then you're like a rock star, right? And you're solid and like the nose just bounce off of you. The nose build character, but they don't defeat you because the moment you're defeated, you're just going to quit. It's easier to quit. Right. Right. That's one thing. Another thing we teach about is networking. And I know networking, we just think of as meeting people saying hi, and then that's it. But there's so much more to networking. And I like to equate networking to dating. Dating and networking are kind of very similar in the sense that you have to take it slow. You have to earn trust. Yeah. You have to take it further than that initial meeting, whether it's a group meeting or one-on-one, -on -one, you have to get to know them. Imagine if we, um, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I imagine if we met with someone and had a first date and on the first date, we said, so you want to go have intercourse? They might say yes, but there's a good chance they're going to look at us like we're nuts. Just right. like we can't get together with someone for networking and on the first date Sounds say, yeah. do you want to buy my big yoga package? They're going to be like, whoa, 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 lady, this is the first date, right? right. So we have to earn that trust that you probably heard the KLT factor, the no like and trust factor that's huge you have to get to know somebody you have to be interested in them more than you try to be interesting you have to you have to be likable if they don't like you and they think that you're sleazy and you're a snake oil salesperson and you're just trying to get something from them and, uh, and that happens to our teachers all the time i had one last week who said oh i went to this networking event and this guy just tried to sell me whatever he was trying to, and now he's following up by email and he's not even listening to her she's saying i'm not interested and he keeps sending her stuff that just puts a bad taste in people's mouths, right? So I teach our teachers the fastest way to network, the best way to network. And one of the things people don't realize about networking is that you don't need to develop relationships with everybody. If you meet 20 people at a networking event, what's going to happen is I would recommend reaching out to all of them afterward, but they're not all going to reach back out to you. Pay attention to the ones that do that right away. Those are the people to work with right? Forget about the rest. Maybe send them one more email. If they're not interested in networking with you, just let them go. Yeah, it's yeah. like your friends, choose them wisely. You only need two or three really good networking partners because what they will do is they'll help you to build this army of people that are just referring people to you and you're referring people to them. Look at it. We do all the time with um, real estate and hairdressers and movies and restaurants. We make those referrals, right? I have a great um, realtor. She's helped us buy two houses. 
I refer her all the time. People are asking on Facebook, where do I get a good realtor? Who's, and of course, everybody's putting their, their realtor's name down, but I jump in and I say this realtor because she was really exceptional for us and I'm not afraid to tell somebody why. So we want to do the same thing with networking. We really want to take it as far as we can go and then see who is interested in working with us on that more intimate level. So that would be another topic for sure. And then we definitely coach on prospecting, right? You can do networking all day long. You can believe in yourself, but if you're not having conversations with your ideal client, you're not going to have clients right now. Sometimes the phone will ring and leads will come in, but if nobody knows where you are, or who you are, good luck with that. So you need to reach out to them. You have to start the conversation. It's like grade seven all over again. You have to start the conversation. Don't wait, right? Everybody's nervous. So we definitely teach how to do that. And we teach the shortcuts of how to do that. And one of them just for your, for your listeners is to really just find lists of company names and start by finding the name of the right person that works there. And that's usually Karen going to be somebody in HR. It's usually going to be a high level HR person, a VP, a director, a manager. If you can't find somebody that high up, start wherever you, you can. LinkedIn is huge for this. You can search names and companies on LinkedIn. And then we have some programs that we've used to find email addresses and they're easy and simple to use. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid. Uh, one of them is called Rocket Reach. It's a great online program. You get 10 free lookups per month and then they have paid programs after that. Another one is hunter.io. You can search for the format of a, of a company. So if you put in, for example, microsoft.com, it will tell you everybody at this company has this format, right? First name, dot last name, or just first name or whatever it is. Typically the bigger the company, the more it won't be first name. It'll be first name, last name, or first name, dot last name or something like that. And then you, this is where you've got to be persistent and it's going to be a lot of work because you're going to hear, you're not going to hear back from people. You're going to hear back from some of them. You're going to get no's. Emails are going to bounce back. It's the wrong email. It's the wrong person. It's a lot of work, but it's the number one way that we get clients. And it's the number one thing we recommend people do as yoga teachers, if they're looking to, to grow this kind of business is you've got to be talking to people and you've got to be persistent. So when they have a, when teachers have a relationship with you, they are doing their own generation of leads and securing of, of opportunities to teach. Is that the primary way that they fill their schedule or add classes to their schedule? Is it in addition to you calling and saying, Hey, I know someone, or we got to lead into our 800 number. They're close to you. Something along those lines. So most of the leads do come from us. We get on average 60 to 80%, usually more like 80%, 70% of all okay. the leads for our teachers. We get leads that just randomly come in. You know, when people Google corporate yoga, name of the comp name of their city, usually we come up. Um, if we're in that city and then we seek out our own lead. So that's where my full-time salesperson comes in. She's all she's doing is calling companies and emailing companies. Virtual assistants will start, you know, they'll start the, the email process. So when we get a new teacher, we say, Hey, give us a list of companies you want to work at. We all drive past those buildings all the time. We go, gee, it'd be nice to work there. Teach yoga there. I used to do that. And I ended up getting some of those as my clients because I was persistent. And yeah. I just kept talking to them. And, you know, what about now? I'm just checking back on you. So, yeah. um, so no, most of these do come from us. And then we kind of get three types of yoga teachers that we work with. And we love all of them, but we get teachers that just rely on us. That's number one. We okay. get teachers that do a little bit, right? They do a little bit of reach out. They, they coach a little bit with us. And then we get our rock star teachers who are like, just show me how to do it and get out of my way. And those are the ones we love because they don't let anything hold them back. They don't make excuses. The economy, COVID-19, no, they just don't listen to any of it. They're like this, right? And, I, and part of it is how I've taught them. And part of it is just 
their natural ability. I can spot them when they come into our company. So those teachers get more like 50, 60% of their own clients, but our average teacher about 20, 30%. Got it. So in that case, or really in all cases, although especially in that case where the teacher is super motivated and driven and generates a lot of their own referrals, they are doing that work securing the business. However, they get to leverage all the time-saving resources and infrastructure that you offer them. So even though they're running their own business, they also have this back-end engine that they essentially get from you. That's correct. So all the little things that people just don't want to deal with, making those forms, you know, payment, we take care of all the payment. Our teachers don't have to get their own account with Visa, uh, corporate bank account, you know, that's, those are all things that just take time or sometimes they take money and time and it adds up. It can mean that 20 hours a week, you're just building the business and, you know, doing that sort of marketing and all those extra goodies, social media. Now, if someone has their own social media accounts, of course, that's great to have, but we've got teachers who don't have a website. They don't have social media. They're not really promoting themselves as an individual yoga teacher. And they do very well in our program because they can just outsource it to us. So we don't run their social media. We just run ours but they represent themselves as a teacher with energy corporate yoga. And that's what they're sharing with people. Sure. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think regard whatever type of scenario the teacher has with you relationship wise, there's something that they're, they're definitely gaining, gaining a loss of that whole piece that they would have to do themselves. It sounds like there's different levels of how much they want to do it. So I'd love to, you don't need to go into kind of mega details. I'd love though, especially where you talked about belief. And I know when I talk to yoga teachers in different parts of, um, well, let's just say since I live in Boston, in different parts of the United States, I see there's a wide variety in what teachers are paid. And prior to COVID, that was a very wide variance in terms of what they were paid by studios. However, I also would hear from teachers when I would do coaching with them or just info calls that there was also a wide variety with respect to what teachers were charging for things where they were independent in getting the opportunity. So private clients or corporate clients uh, you're describing where they just went out on their own. And I oftentimes would get into conversations with teachers that would start to go into that concept of belief, belief in yourself, valuing yourself, and then the broader conversation around what is the value of the service a yoga teacher provides, and that would oftentimes come up. And it was always kind of interesting to me because sometimes these were teachers who within the past year had spent $4,000 to be trained as a yoga teacher, yet were being hired by some private person for yoga sessions, and they were charging $30 for a private because they somehow felt... And they didn't really see that as curious. And um, so I'm just wondering the, the kind of the rate conversation. Again, up to you if you want to get details, but just this idea of is what you charge related to what you feel you're worth? And does that bring up any thoughts for you in terms of things that your teachers bring up? I'm glad you specified you don't want me to go too deep into yeah, it because this yeah. could be an hour right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll touch on it for sure. So yeah. so just in terms of, I mean, in terms of how we do our rates, we have packages that are literally on a piece of paper that is laminated. So when people ask us, what are your rates? 
it's harder for them to argue when it's written down because it's in stone, right? It's kind of in stone. Um, so very, very rarely do we get, oh, you know, I was looking to give you $30 a class and our rate is like 120, right? Or, or whatever it is. Um, and we have different rates. I mean, we reward our clients with lower prices and that's definitely something, or let me say that again. We reward our clients with lower prices the more they buy with us is what I meant to say. So that might be something to just to consider if they're doing three or four classes a week with you, give them a slightly better rate because they're buying more from you. You're still going to make more in the month overall. Um, charging rates for yoga is definitely based on uh, appreciating and valuing what you do and showing others how to do that as well. It's also based on something else that I didn't know years ago. And I don't know if I can find the right word for that, but it's really more of sort of a, a differ differentiation. Like how do you differentiate what you do? Because you can't just say I'm the best yoga teacher, hire me. Well, do you know every single yoga teacher? Have you done a, have you done a test? or a survey, like you're, you're not the best. Who is the best? Nobody's the best, we're all awesome. So you can't just say to people, I'm the best, you should hire me and you should pay me the most. But one of the things I've really learned over the years, Karen, is you've got to spend the time intimately getting to know your client and figuring out what they want and then making sure that you can over deliver that to them. It's not enough just to come in and, okay, today we're gonna do a half of flow because that's what I feel like teaching. We're gonna focus on opening the hips. You could do that. But have you asked your client what's going on with them? So one of the things we do is at the very beginning when they're coming on as a client, we spend time with that one person at the company who's organizing it. And we go very, very far into detail about what's going on with the company. Even things like, you know, how are their sales doing, right? If they're a food production company right now, they're probably doing very well. If they are a medical supply company, profits are going to be up. If I was teaching to Zoom, their profits are up. So I kind of, I'll have that more of a conversation with them because more revenue equals hiring more people and it equals more stress and it equals that they have a wellness budget. So those are just all things to keep in mind. If I'm talking to a company that is doing something in person and they've lost a lot of their business, then it might be that kind of conversation. But whatever it is, I want to find out what's important to them so that I can number one, build it into the actual yoga classes and number two, build it into the service that they get from us. For example, some clients like to be handheld a little bit more and others, they want to just do everything on their own. So you kind of have to find out initially, where is your client in that process? Do they want to be bothered? Do they want to be asked to send out another flyer? Or do they just want you to make it really simple and minimize all the work that's done for them, right? Those are things that can really help people to set you apart. Do you offer subs for your classes, right? It's not that you should charge more if you do or less if you don't, but see, you know, ask your client, is that important to them? Do they just want to pause everything when you go on vacation? Or do they want to have another yoga teacher come in and teach them or teach them virtually? So I think one of the things that really happens with us is we have this very high level of service and we show people with us, you don't just get a yoga class, you get automatic invoicing, a software where you can log in anytime and print off what you need and get your invoice we'll take credit card payments. It's not cash and check, it's simple, it's done online. Subs, if your teacher is away. Head office, if you need support. We have a lot of people that will call us to say, we love this teacher, we just wanted to let you know, or eh, not really loving this teacher every once in a while, but once a year we get that call and we have to make sure we either fix it or we you know, bring in another teacher. And I think that's what people really like is that extra level of service. So no matter what it is, maybe you don't have a big team working for you as a yoga teacher, but you've really got to make sure that you go above and beyond for people and add extra value, not just in the teaching, but in all the extra bells and whistles, right? Making sure you know what's important to them. If they want an invoice every month, send them an invoice every month. It's not gonna take you that long. Now, if you can automate that process, that's even smarter because they're, they're gonna get that service from you without it taking your time, right? Yeah.
Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about pricing. So I hear if I can kind of sum it up, I, I mean, I guess what I hear you saying is um, if you can understand what your customer's looking for, that can, in a way, sort of justify your rate. I hate to use the word justify, but it can give you a way to explain the rate that might be different from something they expect. Although also it really communicates value. The value of your service is reflected in the rate rather than, as you say, kind of a cookie cutter approach that everybody's getting that doesn't necessarily communicate value as much as customizing things. Yeah, you're, you're right. Exactly. And here's the thing. If you compete on price alone, you will lose every time because somebody's going to do it cheaper than you. There's right. going to be somebody on you know Facebook or wherever that's like, hire me $30 a class. I'll do it for $30. And it's usually a new teacher or somebody who just doesn't believe in themselves. Um, and so you can't compete on price. When someone emails you and says, hi, I saw your ad. What is your price? I know there's this moment of, oh gosh, I don't want to tell them, right? But you can tell them a little bit, but but don't tell them everything. Instead, get on a call with them and find out what they're looking for. And instead of talking about what you offer in your packages, ask them what they're going through. Ask them what's wrong. Ask them how is stress? How is, you know, employee retention? And yeah. you can even ask weird questions. Like I asked somebody once, you know, you, you know, how's your how's your turnover? And they said, actually, it's pretty bad because the employment levels in, in our city, this was two years ago, are very low. So that means there's lots of jobs out there for people and they can be choosy. And so they were looking to bring on yoga as a way to retain people and not have them constantly leaving and going to the next job. Right. So that's kind of my further thought on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just keeping my eye on the time. It's it's before 15 minutes before the hour. So I have just one more question and maybe two more questions. And then I know that part's up. So um, one of the things that I'm thinking of is, have you ever had scenarios where somebody wants to initiate a corporate yoga program and then things get busy at the company and they decide that people don't have time and you might feel like, whoa, this is a perfect time to keep this program in place because it's a value to the employees, but they might come to you and say, hey, look, we just can't have our people diverted right now doing yoga. Has that ever come up? Yes. And what I say to them is, do you want to stop the program or do you want to look at some ways where you can continue in a way that makes sense for you, given the new changes in your company? And usually they say that one. Usually they don't think there is a solution. They'll say, well, how's that possible? I just told you we're super busy. Well, if there's a need for this. And so I always establish, first of all, are you still feeling the stress? Are you still feeling like you want your staff to have something during the week where they can move their bodies and get that break. And they'll say, well, yes, we just don't have time. Mm -hmm. Then we have to get creative and come up with some solutions. So one of the solutions we're offering right now is shorter classes. Instead of 45 to 60 minutes, 20 and 30 is what we're doing right now. And it's, I know a lot of people will say that's not real yoga. It is what it is. And it's something rather than nothing. And they're moving their bodies and they're still trying a little bit. You know, sometimes my practice is 20, 30 minutes because I've yeah. had a super busy day and I'm sure you yeah. had that happen too. Yeah. So it's all about that when that happens, you know, for your listeners, I would recommend getting on the phone and first of all, establish, do you want to stop? Because if you want to stop, that's fine. We're not here to talk them into it. But if you want to continue, where are you open to looking at some ways where this could fit? And they're going to say probably yes to that. And then go through and find out what's going on with them. Find out why, you know, what has changed? 
that, that wasn't there a couple of months ago? Why are people feeling so busy? And then what could you offer them? Perfect example, we have a client in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. They were doing two classes a week with us. They actually paid in full for a year back in June. And so great client, they're already paid up for the year. Obviously they're not gonna stop. And so what happened was we were doing two 45 minute classes a week and almost nobody was coming. The numbers kept going down and down and down. We would have anywhere from zero to three people at every class. So we didn't wait. We actually contacted the company and said, we realize this is happening. Let's get on a quick call and do a bit of a, uh, a meetup and see what we can do here. So we got on the, on the call, myself, the yoga teacher and the client, and we agreed after some talking, we didn't know this until we talked to them. We agreed to roll it out as a four time a week program 30 minute classes and we changed the name for every class instead of just yoga we called one neck and shoulders one was meditation one was vinyasa yoga build up some heat move vigorously through the poses and one i think was chair yoga and now the attendance on a bad day is six or seven and on a good day is 12 or more we're getting brand new people that were never coming before because we've made it work for them and i think too just sometimes changing the name of what you call it neck and shoulders talk about the problems they're having not just yoga, hatha yoga, but talk about neck, shoulders, stress, low energy, and sleep is another big one that I'm seeing right now. People are lying in bed at night, wondering what's going on with the economy, wondering what's going on with this virus. In the US, you know, the election just happened. There's lots to stay up for. Who's sleeping? Nobody's sleeping. (laughs) Regardless of where your political leanings are, no one is sleeping. I am regularly up three times a night for sure. Yeah, I'm even thinking like yoga nidra. I know they're at work, but you know, things that I previously had not accessed in terms of styles of yoga. I'm not a huge restorative yoga person. I do restorative yoga now. I do a lot of myofascial release. I've dived into some yoga nidra. I never did that before. So yeah, that sounds like you're just kind of really hitting on what are the issues for them and also making it more than just yoga. You're explaining what the value is. I think as yoga teachers with your own business, anybody that's a yoga teacher and is trying to run their own business, even if it's just themselves with their own clients, you've got to be a bit of a therapist and a problem solver and you've got to bring solutions, right? That is something that we have to do. And how do we do that? We ask the right questions. What has changed for them? What's their schedule like now? And then I just throw it out to people. I say, what do you think if we change your classes and make them 30 minutes? And maybe we call them all a different name, mm-hmm. neck and shoulders, hips, you know, whatever. And, and you, then you just roll it out and you try it. And then you check to be sure that it's working. Well, all of a sudden within one week, our numbers went up to 10 to 12 people. It's working. Now the client is super happy and they will continue. And they're getting more of what they need. It's this program is not effective if nobody comes to it. That's great. Well, the last question I want to ask you before we wrap up and you share how people can connect with you and find you and if they're interested, how they can apply or whatever that process is. um, I would just love to hear from you just a couple of nuggets around what is, I mean, you started out with this idea 14, 16 years ago, many years ago, um, and now it's really grown and, you know, taken off. Um, what is the most rewarding or what are some of the rewarding things about what you do, especially since you started doing something journalism, very different. Yeah. Good question. Well, I'm thankful every day that I get to work from home. Um, that's, that's a big one. And I know a lot of teachers are loving teaching virtual yoga. We, I I didn't think it was going to go this way, but I've actually heard from a lot of my team that they love it because some of them have young kids or they need to go pick their kid up from school. Now, instead of driving all around the city in traffic, they're actually home doing that. So I'm very grateful right now that I have something where I can, you know, guide my team and do this from home. And I'm grateful as well that we have something we can teach over Zoom. 
and virtually. Because if I was a hairdresser and I had a hairdressing salon, I wouldn't be doing that virtually. Maybe we'd still be open. And of course, yoga studios in some cities are open right now, but we have something that we can teach very effectively online. So that's something for sure. Um, yeah, that would be my biggest thought right now is just, you know, and, and don't let, don't let anyone tell you that no one's looking for this or like, you know, there's nothing out there in the yoga world right now. As yoga teachers, we have choices. And one of them is just to adapt and be able to see that, okay, things are changing. Where else can I teach? And we see this all the time. If I look online right now, even on Facebook, so many teachers have gone virtual. They've adapted. But I have heard from a few teachers who say, I'll never teach online. It's not really yoga. That's okay if you feel that way, but you will definitely miss out on those opportunities. For sure. So, okay. So just to wrap up, tell us how people find you, how teachers that are interested can get in touch. For sure. So our, our website is the best place to get in touch. It's energycorporateyoga.com and it's not energy, it's energy spelled I-N-N-E-R-G-Y, corporateyoga.com. Um, they can find our info at email on there. It'll make its way to me. And um, if they're interested in teaching for us, there's an application form on the careers page. They can just fill that out. Great. And I'll put the link to your company in the show notes for this episode. I think it's always good for people to hear it because if they're on their phones listening, they can just Ooh, let me go over right now online and check it out. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed meeting you. This is our first meeting virtually, um, but I really, I feel your energy. I feel your passion for what you do, which is so great. And it's so beautiful to see the journey and, and just hear about the perspective that you have, which is, which is so valuable, I think, for people to hear and learn from you. So thank you very, very much. <laughs> thank you, Karen. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon. I'll send you the link to this ASAP. Okay, sounds good. Have a good one. All right, Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.